Hey everyone, this is Sarah, one of your co-hosts of Unapologetically She. Before we get started with this week's episode, here's a quick word from Snack Packs, host of the Joyful Warrior Podcast Network's upcoming podcast, Epi After Dark. The BIPOC community, compared to their white counterparts, are at higher risk of heart disease, stroke, cancer, asthma, influenza, pneumonia, diabetes, and HIV. And within the BIPOC community, black women have the highest rates of all of those diseases. In addition, they suffer from the highest rates of premature death by murder and suicide, and have the highest infant mortality rates, many of which are even higher than developing countries. And they're more prone to die from addiction. The responsibility should not be theirs alone. Because we have failed them, it is up to us to do our part to bring about this change. We have the power to bring change not only for the BIPOC community, but for all of us. Public health becomes truly equal when it becomes equitable. You might be surprised to find that when you stop speaking and start listening, the definition of ally starts to change, and you might be surprised how far that can take us. Either way, public health, not politics. Before you check out my new podcast, check out Unapologetically She, now available wherever you listen to podcasts. But also be sure to check out my new podcast, Epi After Dark, featuring me, Snack Packs Epi, premiering April 6th. Welcome to the weekly show about art, politics, and pop culture from a phenomenally female perspective. I'm Eliane. I'm Shantae. I'm Sarah. I'm Lauren Ashley. I'm Katie. And this is Unapologetically She. Episode five of Unapologetically She. This is Sarah, and this week I will be bringing you the drink of the week. Shantae is moderating this week's Shot and Chaser. We will be interviewing Andrew Shade, which we are very, very excited about. Lauren Ashley will be bringing the facts and Mrs. Misinformation War Room. Ugh. Elian will be bringing those receipts, and Katie will be revealing this week's bitch ass and badass of the week. Uh, y'all are not going to be surprised by the results. <laughs> uh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get started with drink of the week. And this week, um, staying in my girly girl form, we are doing mermaid drinks. And I kind of had to play around with it a little bit because like the original recipe called for like a big pitcher and Elian's just sipping there. Mm-hmm, it's good. <laughs> so I had to kind of figure out the ratio of everything for just one drink because there's no way I'm going to drink a pitcher by myself or I will be a whole I don't know. white girl. Challenge, Sarah. I'd be up to that. <laughs> you know, I will, probably turn in, I will probably turn into the, one of those white girls that's going woo all over the place. <laughs> wait did you see the video did you see the video of the two white girls like walking somewhere downtown somewhere and they're leaving brunch they had like their their food and they just kept falling on the ground oh my like, god they- <laughs> <I'm there. laughs> 
<laughs> you cannot take us anywhere. Oh I loved it. I was like, that was, y'all had a good brunch. Y'all had a great brunch, right. clearly. Automophimosis, man. No yeah. brunch wasted. That's my No favorite. more made drinks for them. <laughs> already had too much. Cool. But, so what you do with the mermaid drink, um, you're going to need blue curacao, uh, Midori, uh, vodka, lemon juice, simple syrup, any kind of glass that you want to use. I use martini glass um, and you are going to need granulated sugar. So what you do, take a few, so you can use crushed ice or a few ice cubes, put it in your drink, pour one ounce of blue curacao and Midori over the ice. And then in a shaker glass over ice, you're going to do one ounce vodka, three ounces of lemon juice, one ounce of simple syrup if you like your drinks more tart, or two ounces of simple syrup if you like me and like them sweet. <clears throat> Shake it up really well, make sure it's cold, gently pour it over the blue curacao and the Midori that's already in your glass and poof. Mermaid drink. Mm, delicious. I was transported. A glass of sugar. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, I like a sweet rim, sweet rim. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I could not have, I did not find Midori for some reason. I don't know. I never could find sometimes. So it is. I had to resort to the wine. Listen, wine is always all else fails. Coconut rum. Listen, when your mother different. supplies you the wine and wants to get her fix of wine, <laughs> she's don't turn that down <laughs> with her siblings yeah mm -hmm. i definitely think i'm gonna have to make a second drink throughout this um mm -hmm. yeah show yeah i might i might take a i might take a drink after we do like our production stuff for the after show yeah make another one mm -hmm. so yeah lots of my dear. To suffer someday someday i'll make that drink like Lent's gonna last forever. It's <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Lent is what, it's up to Easter Sunday, I think. I think. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. just a couple, just a couple more weeks left, and then I'm free. Wonderful. Listen, my hole is still tight, girl. So tight hole. Listen, listen. And it's not the butthole because I don't. No, do I don't do <laughs> listen, Shante, listen, listen. I'm really glad I'm wearing headphones on the right now. My, I was on the phone with my aunt today and she's like, I'm going to listen to your podcast. What is that? Oh my God. Uh, hi, auntie. Uh, <laughs> mom and dad listen every week and I'm just like, just, just go. I don't even mom think dad, my mom doesn't know how to work Apple podcasts and I hope she doesn't learn that. See, my, my <laughs> aunt knows. My mom doesn't. So my my aunt told my mom about the podcast. And my mom was like, can you send me the link too? And I just kind of looked at her and was like, sure. I'm not going to. <laughs> Auntie, if you're listening, don't tell on me. She doesn't need to hear. <laughs> you know, just oh, sorry, mom, I forgot. And just keep going with it. Just keep going with it really until she forgets. Oh. Listen, no one sees your face anyway. Don't even people don't even know who you are. <laughs> uh, if 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 my aunt is listening, she'll know. She'll know. <laughs> she'll know. She'll, she'll know what's being said. Okay. Oh my gosh, those girls have some mouths on them. <laughs> Especially that 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 one with the deep accent. Sorry, on <laughs> we love us. Oh my god! Don't so everybody's been good this Patreon. week. Hmm? Everybody's been good this week. Tired, yeah. exhausted. Weak. Weird week this week. Like people are just it's weird. Been a week. <laughs> I can't can't even blame it on a full moon. 
I tried to last night. I really did, but I looked it up and it's not until like the 17th. So yeah. or 16th. It's pink moon hmm. coming up. So <laughs> maybe. Well, maybe. I had a good little weekend. I spent the weekend with my best friend's kids. Oh so I saw the pictures that were so cute. And, yeah, and her son, who's two and a half, he's my godson. So I, I was with them Friday to Saturday and we had a good old time. Me and Gianna put nails on. We did a face mask. We did our skincare routine. It was really cute. Awesome. <laughs> my daughter did that with me this week too. She, yeah. she her, my husband's supervisor bought her a frozen cosmetic and nail kit for Christmas. And she finally busted out the fake nails that were in it. And they were blue ah. and sparkly. And mine were blue and sparkly last week up until yesterday. So she decided we needed to have matching nails. So my daughter Aww, did her nails. That's Aww. so cute, Sarah. Y'all both, I told you, she got your personality. That's why she gives you a, a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the ones that give you a hard time the most. They're just the ones that are like you. That's true. Yep. That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah, and I, I can't even sit there because like it's like I can't even ask my husband where in the hell did she get this attitude because he's just gonna look at me like, huh? <laughs> really? You gonna? Her husband is tag team. <laughs> you know, I know that as adults, you guys are gonna be friends. You're gonna have a good relationship. My mother and I were the same way. You know, we butted heads all throughout. You know, my mm-hmm. growing up, and eventually I realized, oh crap, you are exactly a fucking carbon copy of your mother. And this is why <laughs> you mm-hmm. like, you know, butted head so much, but yeah, we're really good. We're best friends now. So that's yeah. what my mother hang in there, Sarah, it's coming. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's like, I came to that same epiphany between me and my mom. Like my mom was my best friend in the whole entire world too. So it's, and we had that same bumping heads because we were so much alike and everything so it's like I know it's coming with Dina but right now when she's so young and still learning what the boundaries are it's yeah (laughs) it's the same thing with with my mother like with Elian like my and it's also the sign too because she's a Taurus I'm a Taurus my -hmm. mother is not an Aquarius but my mom's a Leo Aquarius and Leos are almost the same kind of people in a way and so you know Leos always think they write all the time. Aquarius think they write, but they're not loud about it. But Leos are like extra loud. Sorry, Elian. My mother's extra loud. And so, and she's a baby boomer. So like we butted heads a lot, a lot, a lot. And now like, since I like, since we got older and I started living on my own, it's like, hey mom, we talk for like hours. Mm-hmm. I told her the podcast. She doesn't know how to configure the uh, podcast thing on Apple. <laughs> <laughs> Cause she gonna be like Shantae, you. She knows I curse a lot, but she's gonna be like, "That's just disgusting. I don't need to know that. I don't need to know this about my baby. And I am the baby of my sisters. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. So should we go ahead and get started with uh, with our shot and chaser? We gotta start. With how is Lauren Ashley doing these days? Yes. Hmm? What? What's up? How you doing these days, young woman? Oh, how am I doing? I'm exhausted, but I'm okay. I'm hanging in there. A lot of, a lot of life stuff going on. Uh, um, yeah, but I'm surviving adulting, which I mean, for it being the worst thing in the 
freaking world. <laughs> and it's funny because people, I've so many people will say, they're like, yeah, you know, when you're a kid, you just want to be an adult. And then when you become an adult, and I'm like, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. My entire family, auntie, if you're listening, you know, my entire family can vouch for me. I literally never wanted to grow up. When I turned 13, I cried. I cried on my 13th birthday. One of my cousins reminded me the other day that I cried when I turned 21. I was just like, I just want to be, I never wanted this. I never wanted this, but I'm making it through it. And that's what's important. And you lovely ladies are like a shot of adrenaline. (laughs) Well. And alcohol. And yeah. alcohol. Well, send you a gift basket. So. And alcohol yeah. in a couple of weeks when, I, when, when Lent is done. Sure. That's, that's what we should do. We should put together We should put together a gift basket of the different drinks that we've had oh, for the last few yeah. weeks and send them to Lauren Ashley. There we go. Listen, I would be the happiest woman on earth. <laughs> well, you will have a big ass barefoot up in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all I do. And the biggest <laughs> bottle of Midori we could find. Yes. <laughs> and, and y'all know, and y'all know, like, like I, can I'm I just at home. I'm living at home now. So that box arrives. My I'm, mom would be like, what's going on with you? What is all of this? <laughs> this bottle, like listeners, that bottle, Midori so bottle and this blue Curacao bottle, they're huge. <laughs> like, my liquor store did not have smaller ones. So I was like, well, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to live in the hood. That's why. That just means we're going to have to make a lot of drinks with Midori and blue curacao. Listen, summer's coming. It means that you're yes. I was transported to vacation vibes with this drink. So yes, that's how I'm doing. Going down way too easy, by the way. <laughs> <I know. laughs> I'm telling you, I'm gonna have to make another drink. That's like, how you know it's good. That's I know you're good. gosh, yours is almost empty already. See, I'm like trying to be good because I know how I am when I drink too much. So <laughs> um, listen, it's Sunday. I have to go back to work tomorrow. You know, the weekend is short. Mm-hmm. So recording day for me is like brunch with the ladies, you know. Aww. Aww. Oh, there you go. I'm getting day drunk with my ladies. <laughs> okay. Same here. Before fun I day. have to head back to and work and deal with all that stuff. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. So it's all on. right. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, Miss Shante, you want to give us our shot and chasers? Yes. We're about to get on to the shot and chaser. I got to see who is starting first, my darling. And so, I need to see that for a minute. So start with uh, Miss Lauren Ashley. So my shot this week is that Willard Carroll Smith has finally, 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 finally won his Oscar. Damn straight. Mm-hmm. Everything, everything else that happened around that. Here's we'll get to a misinformation war room, but Will Smith has his fucking Oscar. Cheers! I cheers. I cried. I cried. I cried. I cried during that movie a lot. So I was going to ask, did you all see King Richard? Yeah, my sister saw it. She said it was good. It I watched it three times and just cried all three times. It was just so good. Is it I, stre- I, Is it streaming already? It, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on HBO. HBO Max. Oh, crap! I don't have the HBO. I'll send you my link. I'll hook you up. Don't awesome. worry. Cool. Oh, I really want to see it. Yeah, don't catch that. us for that, HBO Max. Don't worry. We're not going to share. Wink, wink. I, 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 no, I have known nothing about what you're talking about. 
<laughs> but it's fabulous. He deserved it for a long time, but that really- oh yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, I, I just, that movie, that movie, it just, it got me to my core. Not just his performance. I was upset that Ingenue Ellis didn't win for playing Venus and Serena's mother, but whatever. I mean, it's the Oscars, hashtag so white. But anyway, um, actually, wait, I think for the category that she was nominated, I think she went for supporting. And actually the winner for that was an Afro-Latina. So, yeah. you know LGBT, what? I'll take it back. Afro-Latina. I'll take that. Yes, I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, she was great. The girls, the girls who played the sisters were great, but especially the one who played um, Venus. She's amazing. Um, Shantae, you're going to love it. I I feel like you will. Yeah, I'm going to love it so much to the point where I'm going to be like, oh my God, this is so good. But he's been deserved Oscar. He's been Mm -hmm. up for like, what, three times, I think? Yes, he's been deserved one. What was it? It was he did it for this one, um, Ali. Ali. And then what was it? The the life was he nominated for Pursuit of Happiness? I can't remember. That's what I'm thinking. But but I was like, he deserved one for that one. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about a movie that makes cry. Degrees of separation as supporting. I'm not sure. I don't know. But he was in that Mm -hmm. too. What'd you say? Six degrees of separation. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. Mm-mm. It reminded me so much of that whole movie, like of my dad, like, you know, my dad was the most supportive with when it came to sports for me. And, you know, not Aww. as extreme as obviously Richard was, but like just having a strong father figure to push you into what everyone to do. Like I went out for track and my dad showed up for every single meet, even the ones that I was two or three hours away from, he was there and I, re- I saw a lot of that in it and it was such such a touching role <laughs> and I love that they celebrated him in that way <laughs> I like that you like watched it and made that connection like that especially I have to say because you're a white woman because yeah. there were white women who were like well why did they make a movie about their about about the father and not about Venus and Serena and it's like because they wanted to make a movie about their fucking father what's wrong right, exactly. Exactly. Oh, wait, they're the they were the producers why the fuck are you questioning their decision on their why movie? are you why are like, you yeah. telling them how they should tell a story about their lives like what what uh, go figure they wanted to honor their father so sit down shut up eat your crackers and I Girl, looked yeah. up he did uh, get nominated for Pursuit of Happiness in 2007. Okay. Yeah. Well, so this was his third nomination for a swim. Yeah. At 53. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody that came he from. Deserved it. He deserved it. And that and his, I encourage anyone who hasn't watched his acceptance speech to watch it. Um, and I'll I get cried. into that. I cried. In this inspiration war room too, but oh my God. I just, and I, I put up a little video of my, like I was, I was recording it on my TV as I was watching it and I started crying. I just, yeah. It was so, you could, you just felt it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, he, I cried. I mean, it's, it was long overdue. His acceptance speech, it was just hit you. It hit you right in the gut. Amen. You know, just, it was, it was beautiful. Indeed. So, yes, we all need to watch it. So if you have HBO Max or HBO, or if you have a friend, you can, you know, boost off of that and, and, and look at <laughs> it. 
We won't. We won't say boost off every day, but yeah, maybe you can watch it. At we your don't condone that. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know me. I'm, I'm. I'm from the hood, so you know. I saw people boosting in front of Old Navy yesterday. So let's. <laughs> so, Katie, what is your shot and chaser of the week, my darling? I'm sticking with pop culture as well. Um, a week ago, one of my favorite shows, just for pure pleasure, uh, Bridgerton, came out <laughs> the second season. Um, obviously it wasn't as anticipated because it didn't have the Duke in it this time, but mm-hmm. I still, um, I heard he's coming back next season. Yeah. He is <gasps> coming back. So, yeah. Why did you tell me that? Oh my God. I'm so excited. <laughs> but I will say as a woman that loves women, the eye candy was still great there. Simone Ashley is. Oh my God. Funny. I have such a crush on her. I do. And even Jonathan Bailey. I mean, he's pretty boy. He's pretty in it. And it's, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of bad reviews for because, you know, it's not as, for those who have seen it, it's, you know, it's not as sexual as the first season. goes in a little more storyline of it. But you get some really interesting background on um, Anthony Bridgerton, who, you know, the Viscount. (laughs) Viscount. Wait, wait, wait. The Viscount. Is he the old, is this the older brother or the the younger? Oldest brother. Okay, so he's the one who I hate in season one. Yeah. I haven't watched the season one. You know what? I think, Lauren Ashley, if you, if you watch season two, you're going to hate him a lot less. You're going to, you're going to kind of understand the reasons why you hated him season one. Yeah. You're going to understand where they come from. Yeah. You'll, you'll still hate him for the first couple episodes. I haven't, I haven't watched Bridgerton either. And then I need to. Oh my God. Don't feel I haven't watched it neither. I have not. Somebody needs to come in and add more time. (laughs) <laughs> every day because between work and the momming and like the other stuff I like don't have time and there's all this stuff that I want to watch and I swear if I sit down and watch everything that I want to watch I'm gonna like I am gonna die on the couch at 95 <laughs> just trying to catch up on everything you're you're gonna love it Sarah and it I'm is. telling you I you know I, I don't beautiful I mean, gowns beautiful yeah. gowns <laughs> the diversity in it is that it wasn't that sexual because to me, even in the scenes that there wasn't actual sex going on, I always felt like I was intruding into somebody's like dirty fantasy. I always felt like, I was a little turned on like the entire, it was like a slow buildup, but it was yeah. like to the point where it was maddening. So yeah. like, when it actually <laughs> finally happened, you were like, fuck yes. Like, yeah. you felt like they're capitalizing on that slow burn. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't want to spoil it, but like there's one scene where the sister sees them together, and she's like, "How did I not see this this whole entire time?" Yeah, bitch, because you're stupid. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. She was All in her is The white women are pearl clutching because they see a lot of melanin in the series. I that's mean, what I love about the series. I, oh God, yeah. no, not melanin in the series. Oh. <gasps> Yes. This season yeah, was yeah, in the lead. Is she she's is she Indian? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah, her uh, seeing pictures of her she's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. They they mad because they wanted to the, the chocolate is in there. The chocolate, no matter what listen. flavor. Girl, listen, the queen last is season's hot. last season's queen lead was the white hot. woman, and she was the most boring part of the whole show. I still don't she understand really why anybody would fuss over her. I'm yeah. sorry. She um, looked like Wendy Darling from um the pe- from Disney's Peter Pan. Like uh-uh, you're right. The way she dressed. I did a side by yeah. side. She's Wendy Darling. Mm-hmm. 
Oh my god! such a beautiful woman in real life that they made her way too play next to him. Like I was like, this this is what this man is crazy for, really. This, yeah. (laughs) All right, (laughs) this is the diamond of the ton. Okay, all right. You're gonna love this season's diamond. Yes. No, they did a beautiful job with the costuming this year. Right, just Uh, the the colors that they use, especially on the two sisters, is just yeah. Oof. I highly recommend going watch it. Watch, but now you have me like, oh, I need to hurry up and get on it. <laughs> Don't forget, there are two families because apparently some <laughs> think that they're all one. <laughs> Sorry, Myron. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, my partner, listeners. We, I mean, and mind you, he saw the entire first season on his own. We watched season two together, and he was still like, "Wait, what is this one family? Is this all all Bridgertons?" And I was like, "Oh my god, we're in the season finale, and now you're asking me this." In the season (laughs) finale, he's oh my gosh, the season finale. Penelope, man, (laughs) I love Penelope. By the way, she's my other favorite in that show. I relate a lot to her. I think in a lot of ways, the quiet wallflower. But the the observer, and she she's just better with it. It is. What about you, Elian? What you got this week? Yep, Elian was well. This was the perfect segue because my shot for this week is actually about period pieces like Mm. Bridgerton and like Gilded Age, and how they're now totally different than the period pieces we were used to. The stories are very woman-centered. They all Mm -hmm. really come, like, that's what I was trying to figure out. Like, why do I love these shows so much? Because I'm freaking obsessed with them. And yes, I love the costumes. I'm a sucker (laughs) for, you know, the costume designers. But- Beautiful gowns. Beautiful gowns, just beautiful everything. Everything down to the glove, down to the hat. Everything is so well-coordinated, well done. But really what I like about it is that everything is being told from a woman's perspective. It's not like, okay, yes, this is happening in the 1800s, right? Where women really didn't have a lot of autonomy, but the stories in the shows are being told from their perspective. And it has like, you know, and it made me think of our show because there's so many different women characters on those shows. And I'm like, from just a female perspective, like unapologetically she, like those two shows are completely unapologetically she. And I love that they are also focusing on not just white characters. You know, there is a wide array of characters. And I I just think they're doing such a fantastic job of telling stories that we haven't been used to hearing based on those time periods. And so, yeah, that was my shot this week. I'm with you 100%, Eliane. And um, were you a fan of Downton? You know what? You're going to be shocked and horrified, but I've never seen Downton Abbey. What? Oh, and my You know what? God. Totally against my character because I, I'm a fucking Jane Austen, like, super I fan. I expected you to, I expected yeah. you to be fangirling over it as hard as I am. <laughs> oh, my and God. And you know what? I know if I watched it, I would. I just, it's weird. Sometimes I go through, like, spans of time where I just don't watch any, anything new. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's I, a new movie beautiful. coming out. So now you have to catch up. Oh, you, yeah. you have to catch up. I need to rewatch it. I, that was one of my favorite shows. Don't be I love Downton, but like when they 
I have not watched Downton Abbey. I have not watched Bridgerton. <laughs> age. Not not your cup of tea. See, I'm so glad Come I'm on, not man. the only one. It's fine. <laughs> not for everybody. Yeah, but I'm um, and I'm down. Downton, I'm 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 kind of a stan. I'll say I stand Downton. But when they finally got to got to race, they handle it very clumsily. Um, I'll just say that. So knowing that, um, what's his name? Julian Fellows, the create the creator of Downton, I believe he's the creator of um, the Gilded Age, oh. and just. Seeing the difference between how race is treated in these two shows, I know part of that comes from, there's a podcast that I listen to, what the hell is it called? For Colored Nerds, and um, it's two Black hosts, and last week, they talked about your shots, Elian. that's what they talked uh, about yeah. last week in their episode, and they had on um, one of the producers or executive producers for the Gilded Age, and is a Black woman. And I'm like, it makes such a big difference. It makes it really such does. a big difference. Having actual people yeah. of color there to give input. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell which shows how they handle it. That actually has the type of writers that they need to, to be able to handle it correctly. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was my slant on this, on this, on that topic is that, yes, it's a period piece and people are used to thinking of a period piece in, in a certain kind of way, but it is done so differently. It's just, it's worth checking out. It really, you know, I, I I'm, love what they're doing. I'm with you hundred percent. I need to watch, um, I need to start this, this new season of Bridgerton. I kind of want to rewatch the Gilded Age first though. <laughs> oh, I know, I'm definitely going to watch it again, over again. I love it. <laughs> Christine fucking Baranski, okay? Yes, bitch. <laughs> and her. Meryl Streep's daughter. Wait, yeah. who's Meryl Streep's daughter. Um, oh God, why am I blanking? Out? She's the the main character, Miss Miss. Oh, oh, the, the boring girl. She's yeah. her daughter. Yes, here. Yeah, oh. yes, that is Meryl Streep's daughter. <laughs> oh wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't even know that she has a kid, but right people are letting us know that. So <laughs> on to our next shot, we have. Miss Sarah here, Miss Reporter here. What is your shot in Chaser? I'm going to take a turn away from pop culture. White women. White women. <laughs> Let's have a word, okay? <clears throat> when Black people online are discussing something that is specific to their demographic, to their relationships and specific to, let's say, um, their hair, stay the fuck out of it. Stay in your lane. When something happens, as happened at the Oscars, don't jump into black women's mentions and try to assign blame to a black woman not being able to quote, take a joke about her hair or anything else of the sort. Stay out of black women's mentions with your fragile feelings. And I'm being nice right now about this, okay? People of my demographic, white women, have consistently been problematic about tone policing Black women on their feelings, on their men, on their hair, on pretty much everything that is none of our business. So 
white women, my sisters, my cousins, stay in your lanes. Leave black women alone when they are speaking of their experiences, of their hair, of their relationships. Stay in your lane and shut the fuck up about Jada Pinkett Smith and her relationship with Will Smith. Stay the fuck out of their business about their open marriage. Stay out of shit that doesn't concern you unless they specifically ask you. And I guarantee you, in this case, they did not. Sit Ooh. down, eat your fucking crackers. Not the crackers. Oh, that was so cathartic. Thank you, Sarah. Amen. Thank you so much. Of the church is open and that door is Jesus. Listeners, gotta- can I tell you, while Sarah was giving this epic fucking read, I that was, was a sermon. That I was, was a sermon. I am mixing oh. another drink because I just downed the rest of this, okay, listening to that. Thank I was watching you. you sip, Eliane. I was watching you sip. I'm sitting here. I'm I'm making another drink. That thank you, Sarah. If anybody got a pan to put in your ties and your offering and give it (laughs) (laughs) no, and thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Elian. Even though you are Afro-Latina, thank you. And of course, Lauren Ashley, you know you always that that G. And even Katie, thank you. Like, I'm so sick of this shit. You know how much shit I got this week? Yeah. Like, yo, if I was my old self again, I want to fight. I had to, I had to stay off of Twitter for the, the like, that towards the, like, I've been really quiet on Twitter like, the past couple days. So I'm like, I just, I could not, my soul could not take it. It just could not take it. Oh. And... What really pissed me off about our demographic, Katie, Mm -hmm. was the amount of white women that were trying to assign blame for Jada, assign blame to Jada Pinkett Smith, blaming her because, well, she said on her show that she loves her bald head. That may be the case. It's not okay to say something about it. Right. You know, I'm okay with that, but I don't like fat jokes directed directly at me about them. there you go exactly the same at all not in close but fucking a right and then saying that like she deserved it because she stepped out on will no the fuck she didn't they have an open what does that have to do with anything one thing has nothing to do with the other what does that have anything else like that has nothing to fucking do with it that's what makes and it's so disgusting okay so there was this one resistor and these and it goes for the fucking white resistors and some of those little ashy black ones that don't use Vaseline. Let me just say this to y'all. I, I, I don't motherfucking appreciate y'all going in my mind to say, oh, it's just a joke. You're defending violence. First of all, I'm not motherfucking defending violence. I'm saying to y'all, we are forgetting about the black woman in this conversation. Yes. We are forgetting about Jada Pinkett Smith. Because trust right. me, I go through shit with my hair. And I've been As do I. As do and I. Like, Mostly white women get alopecia, not black women. Let's yeah. get the, it's, it's rare in black women. It's very fucking rare. We do go through hair loss. Sometimes it's menopause. Sometimes it's stress. You have anemia. Anemia takes your motherfucking hair out. So, it, and, and then it's alopecia, which it occurs rare in black women, but it's, it's rare that she, she, didn't get, she didn't get that shit because she chemically product. You know, like, I, I'm so sick of it. Like, they, they came in my mentions, but I was like, I let one bitch 
got at me so bad. Yes, I call her a bitch. That she had to deactivate her account. Y'all saw the screenshot? Sure did. It was it was fucking in. Like you follow me, but you want to see that's that hate following shit. Yeah. It's talking about my I, I, I'm unemployed as a motherfucking um blogger on Twitter. No, bitch, that's free work. Mm-hmm. That's free work. Yo, yeah, but thank right. you, Sarah. Like, thank you. Thank yes, you. seriously. Can I, I, can I just fuck Shantae, like. Even if it was due to her processing her hair, what the fuck does yes. that even matter? Yeah, exactly. That, that that to me was like, oh, but she likes her bald head. Oh, but but she overprocessed her. But even if all those things were true, so the fuck what? Right. So what? You're saying she deserves it. That's what I'm hearing. Exactly. Okay. I'm like trying to find ways to be like well she she deserved that you know what i mean uh, uh, uh. Mm. it's almost it's almost like victim blaming no no that's exactly that's what it, it is, is. yeah because she yeah. was the victim yep yep it's fucking gross it is it is and so but i'm gonna i'm gonna give my my time's done so we will let it go with miss shante no but no thank you thank you sarah and it segues way into my shot and chaser which is the pearl fucking clutching of the white republicans because most of it's white. And then there's one ashy one named Timothy Eugene Scott. So, oh, of course, all of a sudden, they don't want to vote for or confirm Kentonji Brown Jackson, which there were a great few that confirmed her from the lower court to the mm-hmm. appellate court, which is the second highest court in the United States of America. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, they like, nah, she don't deserve to sit on the highest court of the bench, so... Lindsay, let's see. Charles, I was. I'm waiting for the Lindsay. Yeah, mama, <laughs> I, I said I say that that way because my mom says that way, Lindsay, because she's from down south. She's from South Carolina, just like his ass. Uh, let's see. Um, who else? Miss Concern, Susan Collins. That bitch. Miss um, <laughs> Lisa McCalfie. Benjamin, Benjamin didn't confirm her to, to, to the recent, I don't know if he confirmed to the recent bench, because he's, a, he's another fucking asshole. He's another asshole. But um, Mike Lee was one of the people that confirmed it, and all of a sudden, now they all, like, I don't know. And, and Oh, Raphael, his classmate. He, he confirmed his classmate. Because, you know, Kentaji Brown-Jackson is his classmate, right? You would have thought. Wait, no, be clear which Raphael you mean, because we love us some more now. Ra- no, uh, Raphael, not Raphael Edwards. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no I knew who you meant, but I wanted it to be clear. Because <laughs> Ted is nowhere near that name. I don't call him Ted because his name is not Ted. His name is Raphael Edwards. Crew. <laughs> so that's his name. So all of them now they pearl clutching. You know, they all full of shit. They all full of shit. And then you got white women who don't even want her to be the judge, right? Don't want her to be the motherfucking judge. Like, seriously, y'all need to all shut the fuck up, go somewhere and find Jesus because <laughs> she is going to be on the motherfucking court. Yes, she yes. is. And go find to- Jesus instead of the next Coke and orgy party. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> who wants to have- <laughs> he looks like he can't eat pussy anyway. But- <laughs> a whole nother conversation ah. the republicans and oh and joshua like 
I don't understand Joshua. I don't understand Miss Hope. Come on, let's face it. Those lipless, one, those lipless wonders wouldn't even be able to find the clit. Oh, dear, sweet baby Jesus. But overall, this is why my mom can't listen to the show. Sorry, <laughs> mom. Auntie, do not tell. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry, Shante. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. They're all full of shit. They all. Yeah. And, and, and you know what's so funny? She's going to be confirmed. Uh, Mr. Ashy, that's still sitting on that court, he's going to be gone because his, his white wife, yes, his white wife is going to cause him his Supreme Court seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's drinking to that, Shante. Mm-hmm. Amen. 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 Kelly, my cat mm-hmm. is sitting on my freaking show notes. Because <laughs> cat is also fed up with the GOP's pearl clutch and bullshit. Yeah. Well, the cat, cat came by. The cat came everyone. by. The cat came by while Sarah was talking about white women. So I think the cat's also fed up with white. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sick of all of you motherfuckers. She's like, you can see her dipping her head in the corner, listening to me talk about. She's white like, women. Mm-hmm, I hope you bitches heard her. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is all for shot and chaser of the week. You know, I'm glad you guys enjoyed this segment where we tear the shit out of people that we just don't fuck with. You know, because they the op. And they're not for us, nor they're not biased. <laughs> so there you have it. So welcome to this week's Read Receipts, the segment where, you know, we read somebody that deserves it by providing the receipts. And this week, I'm going to focus on our very favorite representative, um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And I don't know if the listeners could tell, but that was extreme sarcasm. She is beyond (laughs) not our favorite. So this past week, she did an interview with New York One's Errol Lewis. And it was also an article on New York Magazine where she was again intent on maligning her own party as she's done so many times before, you know, just when it's clear that President Biden or the administration have something really good going on, you know, things are going well, you know, he's about to have his first Supreme Court nominee confirmed, you know, in swoops, always on camera to badmouth the party. So in this article, AOC said that she thinks President Biden got played by Manchin Um, that he, you know, thought that he was going to be on his side and clearly he hasn't been on his side. So I was like, you know what? I need to get the receipts for this because I don't feel like this is right. And the website 538 does what they call a Biden score and they rate representatives and senators based on how much they align themselves to the Biden uh, policies. And um, Manchin's score was a 95.5%. That's how often he aligns himself with Biden's policies and AOC's is 92.5. So she's actually aligned herself to President Biden less often than fucking Joe Manchin, okay? Um, (laughs) She said, I have the utmost respect and confidence in the president, but I feel like we just called two different plays on this one. There's a sense among more senior members who've been around different uh, around in different political times that we can get back to this 
buddy buddy and backslapping and we'll cut a deal and go into a room with some bourbon and some smoke and you'll come out uh and work something out like does she think this is a fucking episode of Mad Men does she not realize that legislation really requires people to make deals to compromise to negotiate using strategy not some like smoking and uh, cigars and drinking bourbon like that is the way that you get your way more than the other person you negotiate that's how fucking legislation happens okay you know, also, she missed that in her history class, but keep going. Yeah, she did. I clearly she didn't pay attention in civics and she didn't read her job title because that's what she was fucking elected to do. Okay. You, you she mean she wasn't elected to be a social media influencer? Oh, no, she was not elected to always be on camera. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I feel yeah. scandalized. She was actually elected to legislate. Isn't that some shit, right? You know. <laughs> Then she also said that we're going to lose the midterms because the Democratic Party um, has collapsed the support among young people, among the Democratic base. Bitch, young people are not the base of the Democratic Party, okay? The base of the Democratic Party are Black voters, in particular Black women, okay? And yet she rarely shows support for Black women. I searched over and over, um, and she has made zero zero statements in support of Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, even in the midst of the GOP hurling racism and sexism at her all week during her confirmation hearings, AOC said absolutely nothing. Okay. But Eliane, but Eliane, yeah. who is black? Oh, but who is black? You <laughs> know, who is black? To quote Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in an interview when she was asked about black voters. I fucking can't even. Okay. And so I am just wondering like why people sweat her so fucking much. Yes. I literally just said sweat. Yes. I aged myself horribly. (laughs) Why do people fucking sweat her so much? Like, like as if she did some great, uh, um, campaign, right? She won her primary beating incumbent Joe Crowley with 17,000 votes. Okay, in a district that had about 215,000 registered voters. So barely anybody came out to vote in that Mm -hmm. primary because she knew it was a very safe blue seat and Democratic voters that live in a safe blue area don't tend to, you know, come out in big numbers for a primary. Mm -hmm. So that's how the fuck she won. Like, give me a break. Okay. Let's talk about her lack of congressional offices in both parts of her district. So her district um, is the 14th congressional district. She represents part of Queens and the Bronx. The Bronx does not have a congressional office for her. Okay. Um, Torres actually gets calls from her constituents. For for her. Yeah. And matter of fact, in November 2021, it was reported that the district office that she does have was only open twice a week. Okay. Okay. Um, in 2019, it was reported that she didn't have a staff member to regularly pick up constituent phone calls so they could never get through. That's probably why they're calling Richie. Okay. Richie Torres, Representative Torres. Um, let's talk again about how she loves to fucking malign her own party. In the 2019 to 2020 session, she voted against the majority of House Democrats 51 times. 51 times. Okay. Um, just recently, she voted against the infrastructure bill. Um, and hello, 
her district is set to receive hundreds of millions of dollars from that infrastructure bill. And the city of New York is going to get billions of dollars and she fucking voted against it, okay? She voted against uh, fixing roads, bridges, improving internet access, modernizing the country's power grid. She voted against emergency funding for the Capitol Police after January 6th. She voted against appropriations for the State Department. Oh, that worked out really nicely, huh? with what we got mm. going on in the world right now. Mm. Um, and she voted against Secretary of State Austin's confirmation, okay? She recently also attempted to take credit for Amazon workers unionizing and her own peeps have been dragging her left and right on social media over this. Um, I'd love to see it, yes, yes. I'd love to see I it. I was, I was looking up those right. posts, oh my, and I was sipping so much tea, just watching them scrolling through. Who dusty-ass bitches are fighting? Because they dusty. Fighting. Yo, Chris Smalls, the union organizer, came out and said that they had reached out to her to meet, and she canceled the meeting with him, did nothing, she told them that she was not doing any more public appearances at the time, but then a few weeks later, she went to the Met Gala. <laughs> um, with that yeah. stupid dress, with that stupid dress. dress. Right? And then, so let's even okay. back it up. When Amazon was trying to have their corporate headquarters in New York City, she rallied against it publicly because of financial incentives for the company. So Amazon eventually pulled out and took the potential of 25,000 jobs right along with them. Mm. Jobs that would have gone to people in her fucking district, okay? Oh, yeah, but they're not, they're the wrong kind of jobs. They were corporate uh, jobs. Know. Those were good paying jobs. Good paying jobs. And, and we don't really have a lot of jobs here in the city. Mm-hmm. Gone, okay? And then recently, she's, uh, she also stated on social media that back when she was a waitress, she had to pay hundreds of dollars a month for getting coverage under the ACA. However, if she actually had to pay as much as she said she was paying, then that means she was making a lot more money mm -hmm. or she was lying about what she was paying because the ACA doesn't make people that make $29,000 a year, which is what she actually claimed in that year. They only pay maybe tens of dollars a month for their coverage. Not even. So somebody is fucking lying, okay? Lying, okay? And then to close out her interview with Errol Lewis, because this was the part that fucking got me the most. She said, I think it's really disgraceful, frankly, the lack of Latino representation, okay? And it got me to think why there are some people who use her election, her her being elected into the House of Representatives as, you know, this is representation for Latina women. And you know what? I am all for representation. I think rep representation matters. But if we're going to go there, then why aren't we fucking standing Representative Nidia Velasquez? Okay? Because she too is a Puerto Rican woman. Matter of fact, she was the first Latina uh, elected to the New York City Council ever. She was the first Puerto Rican woman elected to the House of Representatives back in 1992. She hmm. still represents New York District 7. And I, I was like, let me look and see how effective a legislator Nidia Velasquez is. Well, hmm. um, she was in the latest 2021 rankings 
the number two House Democrat in most bills introduced. Okay. AOC, on the other hand, was number 150. Hmm. In 2020, Representative Velasquez was number 13 of House Dems in bills out of committee. AOC came in and dead last at number 229. She was also number 179 of House Democrats in laws enacted. Okay. In 2020, Representative Velasquez was number 35 in bills co-sponsored while AOC was 112. So why the fuck are we not giving props to Representative Nidia Velasquez, who it has been representing us since 1992, has been there doing the work, okay? Mm-hmm. She is a Puerto Rican woman, born on the island, and she worked her way up. You know, side note, she actually worked for my grandfather back in the day. Um, oh, why the nice. fuck are we standing her, okay? If hey. we're going to sit here and talk about representation, let's talk about somebody who's actually doing the motherfucking work. Yes, that's why. But Eliane, you answered your own question. That's why. Because she's too busy doing the actual work and mm-hmm. not, you know, using her job for for likes, for likes yes. and clicks and fame. And what makes me mad? $40 yeah. sweatshirts. And what makes me mad? You get paid 174 a year, right? You mm-hmm. talk about presidents and politicians that, you know, accept corporate money. But then again, you selling sweatshirts and t-shirts like Lauren Ashley is like you making extra money more than 174 mm-hmm. you on TV and everything. You got no motherfucking bills passed. Yes. I said that shit. You have no right. motherfucking bills passed. And I, I just don't understand, even though it's sad because she got weak ass challengers. Once again, challenge up for a seat. You got Tina from the Bronx challenging her. The Trump dick sucker. Yes, I said it. You got her battling her for her seat, which we all know she's not going to win. And unfortunately, that that chick is going to win again. You think she's going to learn something from that? No, she got to get somebody from the New York City Council who actually is going to be brave enough to fucking run against her to Mm -hmm. beat her. Because she tried to get people to challenge Hakeem Jeffries. And then she tried to get people to challenge my congressman who is the lone Dominican from the island. His name is Adriano Espia. Yep, who's actually progressive, for Mm -hmm. real. Mm -hmm. And trying to make him seem like he's this corporate Democrat. She's really trying to get somebody to challenge Hakeem Jeffries? Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. The man who is likely the next Democratic Speaker of the House. Yes, Yeah, well, because, you know, that's what Magic Rampo wants her to do, so that's what she's going to do. And, you know, there are so many other things that I could have said in this segment about her, you know, the fact that she was recruited to run by the Justice Dems. Mm-hmm. She was not actively, you know, she didn't have the, that epiphany about, oh, I want to run to make a difference. Like, no, she was recruited. I mean, I can go on and on. There are so many other things, but I wanted to focus on the recent things that she did. And honestly, wow. I just want to say to uh, little Latina girls that there are other females out there in Congress that you can look up to that are actually doing the fucking work. And it really upsets me that people try to turn her into this like (laughs) social justice warrior when she can't even admit that there are certain Latino people that are black. So I can't fuck with her. I can't. Mm -mm. And she's always really out to be a chaos agent and fuck with the party. Anytime something's good, some good's going on with, with the Democrats, she don't got none to say. And then a couple of days later, she got a whole bunch of bullshit to say, you know, half truths, embellishments. It's, it's downright fucking Trumpian. I said mm-hmm. it. Yep. It's, it it's, is. And she's playing the same. It's the same playbook. Mm-hmm. What makes me mad is she's not 
from New York. Oh, she's not, she was born in New York, but she's she hasn't grown up here. She didn't grow up here. She did not, not to say she don't have an accent, but she didn't grow up here. She didn't grow up here like Richard Torres. She didn't grow up here like Adriano. Adriano was born in San Domingo, but he grew up here. Uh, Hakeem Jeffries grew up here. Chuck Hakeem Schumer got a strong accent. Grew up in Brooklyn. <laughs> they, we, they all grew up here. Nidia Velasquez, like she came from Puerto Rico, but she, she lived here for a long time. Lived here for a long time. Long mm-hmm. ass time. Ella, uh, she is a gentrifier. That's what the yes. fuck she is. She is Absolutely. a whole entire gentrifier. The gentrifiers love her. The gentrifiers mm-hmm. love her because mm-hmm. actual born and bred in New Yorkers, even Puerto Ricans, don't fuck with her. Okay? Let me tell you something. The people in the Bronx part of her district don't fuck with her. Mm-mm. I'm gonna just say that. And that's it for me. <laughs> Leave receipts because, you know, I could have gone out. We could have gone three days here, you know, re- <laughs> on this video. You know, we could show on her. <laughs> what the fuck? Mm-hmm. So, what well, do we have coming up next? Well, now we are going to have our guest interview with Andrew Shade. And guys, this is a really great one. You guys are going to enjoy it. And coming up after that is going to be Lauren Ashley with the Misinformation War Room. All right. Welcome back to Unapologetics with She. As we move into today's guest interview, he has been on The Amazing Race and Naked Afraid as a comic book writer and a major advocate for the HIV AIDS and the LGBT community and happens to be one of my favorite Kentuckians here. I've got some more representation on the show. <laughs> Andrew Shade, welcome, Andrew. Thank you for joining hey. us today. <laughs> hey, Kayla. Thanks for letting me uh, join y'all. Yeah. I know Katie's excited to have another Kentuckian. <laughs> We're all, the rest That's of right. New Yorkers. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I love New York, so hey. <laughs> that's my, my second home. Yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> Excellent. Let's, let's kick it off with some questions for you today. Yeah. Yes. So um, I see that you were on the Amazing Race, which is really freaking awesome. Like, what motivated you to try out for the show? And, you know, what was it like competing with your dad? Yeah, it was really kind of certainly the wildest adventure you could imagine. If you haven't seen the show, teams of two race around the world for a million dollars. I did it with my Southern Baptist dad. Um, I was at the time a gay college cheerleader. I was one of the earlier seasons, season three, which was kind of the start of reality TV at all. The only shows at the time were American Idol season one. Survivor was in like one of its earliest seasons. And that was about it. There was zero LGBT representation. There were very few people of color on there yet. And so to be kind of this, uh, I was just barely 21, barely out of the closet myself. And then all of a sudden CBS picked us to be on this crazy reality TV show that's aired worldwide. And they picked us because I was a gay college cheerleader. My dad is a conservative Southern Baptist. And they thought, ha ha, drama, here's drama. Um, uh, But luckily... For the most part, my dad and I got along really well. We, we kept trying to keep our head in the game and not get dramatic, you know, as a lot of people do out there under that kind of stress. And I think we, I think we did a great job. We didn't win the million bucks, um, <laughs> but we had the wildest adventure. And, and uh, I, I just remember how scary that was being a, 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 a game kid and uh, being on TV at the time. I 
grandparents didn't know yet, some aunts and uncles and some extended family. And, and all of a sudden I was kind of not, not only to my small circle, but literally there were no circles. It was just, boom, you're out. It was an explosion <laughs> yeah. and glitter. And, um, so, but it's actually really, I make jokes, but it was terrifying at the time. And uh, luckily there wasn't really social media at the time. My weird relationship with reality television is I did it back in the beginning of reality TV. And I just did it. My episode of Naked and Afraid on Discovery Channel just aired several months ago. So uh, I, I'm at the beginning of reality TV and now years and years after there's been hundreds of reality TV shows out there. And when I was on The Amazing Race, there was no social media. There was no Facebook or Twitter yet. There was only message board and message boards. And I read some of those. Some of them were very homophobic. So most of them were good. But this time around, I'm much older, a little more comfortable in my skin. I've been out for a long time did naked and afraid. Uh, and, uh, uh, but I had to see Twitter, Instagram and Facebook and all these people with all with their voice um, and what they thought of my time out there. And uh, so that was really scary. I was terrified, way more scared about it actually airing, not because I was naked uh, in Africa, but just <laughs> because I was afraid of what the world was going to say. People can be mean out there. Uh, yeah. Don't we know it? Seriously. Speaking of Naked Afraid, why that show in particular interested you? <laughs> well, um, I grew up in Boy Scouts, um, so I've always loved the outdoors. My family is a big camping family, um, and I even grew up, I even did like, a, there was like, I grew up Southern Baptist, I did, there was like a Christian version of Boy Scouts, as if the Boy Scouts were like too secular. Um, <laughs> so I also did this Christian version of, of Boy Scouts uh, called RAs, Royal Ambassadors. So I was always doing scouty things growing up, and I, I, I love the outdoors. And most of all, I just love adventure. I love danger. I love being scared. I love, you know, not, not knowing what's going to happen. I just love it. That's why I did The Amazing Race. That's why I've done backpacking in mountains where yeah. wolves lived. And, and I, I, it's, I know it's weird to say, it's like jumping out of a plane, you know, skydiving or bungee jumping. There's just this a drug, I suppose. And people are like, wasn't it hard? I'm like, yes, it was awesome. You know, wasn't it scary? Absolutely. That was a great part. You know, where do you, do you think you were going to die? Totally. Yes. And it, that, that made it so fun. And I get it. I'm a weirdo to a lot of people. My, my mom was like, you are the dumbest person I've ever met. I was like, I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh, all my friends like, what in the Sam hell are you doing out there? You know, my boyfriend's like, I would have even got off the truck in Africa. He said, I would have looked down and seen dirt and like a little bug. And I'd be like, nope, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Done. And uh, I was like, no, that's, it's scary. And that's what yeah. made it so fun. Um, yeah. I think I, I kept, they showed it in one of the interviews on the show. I feel like um, LGBT people, maybe, maybe most minorities, when we do, something so public, whether it's writing a book or uh, producing music or being on reality television, we have this added weight on our shoulders that cis straight white folks don't have. Like they just get to just do whatever they want. But we, we feel whether it's fair or not, I, I want to speak to that because I don't know. I feel like we feel like we have to represent our community because we've had such little representation um, uh, uh, Naked and Afraid just aired season 14, 14 seasons of the show. I was on season 12, wow. season 14, just had the first black woman complete the 21 days wow. in 14 seasons. That's insane and terrible. Um, but I think Discovery Channel has finally learned how crappy their casting has been for so long. I'm not saying that former cast members are crappy people. That is absolutely not what I said. Just how crappy the diversity has been and you can look back at these big cast photos 
white, 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 straight, 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 straight. A lot of them are great people. They're some of my friends to this day. I've, I've met a bunch of them. I love them. However, like we all want to see our stories up on the screen. And that's hard being on reality TV, you feel this pressure to represent. I write comic books and writing characters that are minorities or women or whatever. Like there is that added pressure as a writer to get it right because representation has been so crappy for so long. Yeah. And you did this right before the world shut down. Like you had no idea what was going on. No, I was in a, yeah, I was, I'd heard of coronavirus um, (laughs) on the news a few times before I flew to Africa and all of this, all of the, S-H-I-T hit the fan. I don't know how, what your radio well, we can swear. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't know how, when the shit hit the fan. Yeah, the we shit. curse on him. Good, good, good. Good, good, good. Those are my favorite words. Um, so the shit really hit the fan while I was out there. And they don't tell you anything. Of course, you're out there. Oh my not only God. do you not have a cell phone, the news, radio, newspaper, you don't have clothes or shoes. Oh. Um, so I literally had no idea what was going on. Even when, uh, it wasn't until day 12 that I was living out there in the wild, um, <laughs> trying to not get murdered by leopards and baboons, that um, the producers pulled us aside and um, said, hey, we got to have a talk. Some things are happening in the world. And we were just like, that. Like, and when we were a little malnourished, I'd lost about 26 pounds out there. And I was just like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Things? And he, he said, uh, the world is shutting down. Schools are shutting down. Churches are shutting down. Stores. And I was like, in Kentucky. And he's like, no, Andrew, the whole world. And I was like, in the world. Like my brain, my dumb little I mean, I mean, I'm not a smart guy, anyways. But my brain was just couldn't comprehend that. I was like, what do you mean the whole world? Like you mean like, you mean like kind of like the South, right? And he's like, no, Andrew, planet Earth. And I, just, I just couldn't, I just couldn't comprehend that at all. Um, oh. so that was really weird. And uh, we had to really fight to get home. All of our flights out of Africa back to the States had been canceled. Um, the wow. network discovery channel was trying to find us flights home. They were in a panic. Um, uh, my, I talked to my parents. I got my phone back when I came out of the jungle. My dad was worried. My mom was worried. My dad contacted Congressman Barr's office in Washington, D.C. My dad, he was oh, like, my son's dad. in Africa. His flight just got canceled. He better not get stuck there. Y'all got to help him. So I got to call on my cell phone in the, uh, <laughs> I think what airport I was in, um, in South Africa. And it was like, this is Congressman Andy Barr's office. And I want to know where you are, what the circumstances are. Don't you worry. We're going to get you home. I was like, <laughs> what oh the hell is happening? It was like, it felt like just getting home from Africa was more dramatic than actually living out there in the wild. Um, so it ended up taking um, from where I was living out in the super rural middle of nowhere, Africa, back to Lexington, Kentucky, where I live. It took 48 and a half hours travel time, six airports, three continents, and something like 51,000 miles. Oh my goodness. It was That's a lot. I remember following that. Like It was a nightmare. And yeah. I had just lost 26 pounds. Oh, I, had, no. I had almost eaten nothing in over two weeks. Um, I was, I had vertigo. Um, so it's like you're, like you're walking on like a floating dock in the water. Oh. So I was going through all these big airports. I went to London Heathrow and had to fly to LAX and then back to Chicago and then back to it was a mess. Um, I wish they had filmed that part because that was just. That would have been very interesting to see. I was just like, what is my life right now? A congressman just called my cell phone. I don't get, how did I get here? You know. <laughs> That's we really talk about it because you couldn't tell anybody you were on the show, right? Yeah. I know. I know. I was texting my parents along the way. And yeah. Like, oh my God. They, my mom, my mom's so funny and she's the sweetest, but she's like, your life is ridiculous. I was like, I know. I know. <laughs> But I made it home. Bless you, Mama. (laughs)
Yeah. Okay, so Andrew, so I know you have done advocacy work that has been in your bio, your shirt mini bio. And so we I just want to know how did you get started in HIV and AIDS advocacy? Yeah. Um, I've been in working in nonprofit for about 20 years now. Um, I just turned 40. Um it actually is kind of related to the amazing race. I got cast on silly, crazy reality TV show. Um, I had to drop out of the beginning of my junior year of college and to go film. I was gone out of the country for six weeks. And so when I came back, um, I realized, well, I can't just sit around until next semester, which is a couple months away. So I started applying for jobs, ended up getting this incredible job at a nonprofit here in Lexington, Kentucky. It's called the Manchester Center. We did um, preschool, after school and summer programs for low to no income families. And I've always loved kids. So I just fell in love with it. And then I was like, well, I'm working full time at this job. I freaking love like every day is funner than the last because kids are hysterical anyways and fun. And, <laughs> and so I stayed and I never, I didn't end up going back to college. And so that kind of started me a nonprofit. I did a couple, uh, about a year and a half later, I moved to Dayton, Ohio, um, got hired a nonprofit uh, Cascade AIDS project working in HIV. So I did HIV testing and counseling um, and prevention programs. Then I moved to Portland, Oregon after seven years and, um, right. I hired the HIV organization there and uh, moved into development. So more like fundraising, event planning, raising the money to keep the doors open and, and our programs going. And so I've been in development now for, I don't know, 11 or 12 years. And now I'm back home in Lexington, Kentucky. So I have little nieces and nephews that I wanted to be a gunkle, you know, and be around. <laughs> and, uh, and so now I'm uh, writing grants and doing fundraisers and stuff for Arbor Youth Services. We're a homeless shelter for kids, kids that have been abused or abandoned or between foster care placements or whatever reason a kid needs a safe place to stay. That's what we need. Listen, I, I work in development. I work on the support side. Uh -huh. And so I can imagine the grant writing. Cause I had to like find like different pieces of, of documentation or prepare something for a grant or send a grant. So mm -hmm. I understand the gift officers background like you and I are both in the nonprofit world you're 20 yep. years in then I'm you know years in I'm still on the support side but that's also important all sides mm -hmm. of nonprofits important because it's like a domino effect I oh, think yeah. you know that I think most of us on here we worked in in the public and um, nonprofit sector so we know when one department like development is the income driven area so mm -hmm. if development's not delivering <laughs> <laughs> yeah. programs finance department, all like collateral mm -hmm. damage. And of course the executive director's feet is on the fire. So. Yeah. Yeah. I've, and you know, what's interesting is in non the nonprofit world, uh, because I started in the program side, I ran programs and, and then moved into development many years too. later. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> in development, I'm constantly having to convey to our program staff. Wh why do they see me at lunches with rich people? Um, why do they see me planning parties? Um, why does it look like I have this like lavish fun job when I don't? It's super stressful. Um, it's, it's hard to work with people. It's hard to ask for money. Um, and so I constantly have to like reiterate, I'm doing this because I love kids. They, I, they think I just took the job to love to party and, and plan parties. It's because I, I still love the program side of it. I love helping people. And, um, you know, I, I write comic books because I love superheroes and my whole life I realized I can't be a superhero like with actual superpowers I've tried everything I've tried to get struck by lightning I've tried to drink like chemical that's a lie I'm just um 
So I can't be actual superhero, but like, I can use whatever ability that I have in my weird little body to try to help other people. And, and, but again, people from programs often see development as like hoity-toity. I'm like, it is not. I'm, I'm doing this to keep our programs running. I'm just like, try to be the guy behind the curtain that keeps everything flowing. And, and when my program staff needs stuff, I'm like, I'm going to find it. I'm going to get it for you because those kids need whatever it is that you're asking. We're in for. the same boat together, man. Like, <laughs> literally like i didn't even know like and it's like we're in the same damn boat Mm -hmm. together because it's just like i worked on programs i ran a program for five years i was in and out in development i worked in finance so i had all sectors of nonprofit. the only one i'm not messing with is is being an executive director of somebody's nonprofit, unless it's mine Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah that is not a role i don't think i will ever want to move into that is just in the next tier of stress that i don't think my my little heart could handle. So I'm real good as a development director. I think I'm going to be here for a long time. So yeah. So, you know, um, and, and program staff keep development alive because as a development person, we have to tell stories. Why should this person give us $10,000? Why should they give us this grant to buy our food for these kids? Why? So I have to get those stories from our program staff who are working face-to-face with those kids every single day, making them breakfast and sitting with them on the couch, uh, hearing about what's going on in their lives. They convey that to me, and then I convey that to our donors. These are real people with real issues, and here's how we work together to really help them. Um, so you're right. I love the way you said that. It's it's like a you're a chain, and and you you've got to work together every department. Yeah, and you've done phenomenal. I will say, as a witness that's watched Arbor Youth grow the four years that I've been here, and knowing knowing about it the year before I moved here. Yeah, it's you've done amazing work for it, and I'm proud of what you guys have done over there. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Moving into next one, since you did bring up your comic books, um, and most people that know you in person do know that you are a comic book movie fan, especially <laughs> Captain America. Yes, Man I has a amazing collection oh. of Captain America gear. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was your motivation in getting started into writing comic books? which I have, by the way, um, I love I, this, Monsters Among Us. Yeah, yeah, that's my, that's my first series. Um, uh, I, so I keep like hopping back to like my dad or my family, but it's all part, I guess. Um, uh, my brother played baseball and I hated baseball. I was not into those types of sports. I later got into cheerleading and that's where I fell in love. That was, became my sport. But I, I wrote and drew my own comic books all growing up in class when I should have been paying attention. Um, that's why I'm bad at tests and probably you know wasn't great in college. Um, I was a creative little weirdo brain and I love that. I'm proud of that. But um, uh, uh, literally just two weeks ago, one of my childhood friends who moved away to Seattle and he's like the super smart guy for like, I don't know, Microsoft or some big company. It's brilliant. He was always brilliant. Um, He goes, Hey, he sent me a message on Facebook. And he's like, I just want you to know, I found this comic book that you wrote and drew when we were like nine or 10 years old. And I was like, Oh if, you if you send that to me, that'd be the most, because I don't have anything like old drawings or anything. Like, yeah. That'll be priceless. And he totally did. It's like an 80 page comic book front and back. 80 my little, pages? My little, I got to like, it was like a time capsule. It's like I got to open up. I saw little Andrew's brain. And I don't know how to make say that without it being like some weird, but it was so cool to see like crazy. something I made when I was a little kid know 30 years ago, over 30 years ago and he sent me the whole damn thing and he said he said don't thank me thank my mom she just saved all kinds of weird stuff uh-huh. and this, I found this in a box and now I have my very first comic book when I was a kid 
years later, I had to go to my brother's baseball practice with my dad. I just had to sit around the field while they practice and I get super bored. So my dad started driving me to this little comic book shop about two blocks down. He let me get one little issue each time. And I started collecting this series, like Excalibur, it's a spinoff of, um, of X-Men um, or produced by Marvel. And, uh, and so I've been a comic fan ever since. And um, I got the opportunity to, to pitch a concept, Monsters Among Us, which you just held up. And my publisher said, write it. And um, did and and that on into other jobs said okay now write this series or take on this issue from this other series and and it's just kind of grown I just I was just the luckiest dog I mean that's all it was um there's way more talented people out there I just got lucky at the time and put my little heart into especially that series um Monsters Among Us which is definitely a representation of um these people who just feel outcasts and uh how the church has treated them. I grew up, of course, I, I mentioned this in the Southern Baptist church. Um, and I don't try to vilify religion. I try to show both sides of it. I still go to a church. Um, I have a female pastor and a gay pastor, co-pastor. So it's clearly very liberal than the Baptist church I grew up in. Um, but that's what I think the church should look like. And, uh, and so this comic book, if you re, you know look beyond Bigfoot and the explosions, it is very much uh, the tale of a queer person or a little Latina or like just anyone who's just not the, the you know, the, the typical, the norm, uh, which of course we know is not the norm, but like um, that's what the villain kind of says. Right? Yeah. I even use I scripture. It. Some of his quotes are actual biblical scripture that people throw at people as an attack. And so I wanted to show how off that is. And um, yeah. Do you do the illustrations for, for it as well? You write and illustrate? I don't illustrate. Um, I'm not good enough. <laughs> so I wish I said no, I should have. Like, yeah, I, I, so basically, um, I get to play make believe. I create the story, the characters, who they are, what their background is, what do they wear, um, and then I write it as each page has panels. This is a panel. This is a panel. This is a panel, and I have to describe in each panel what is in that panel what's happening what's being said uh, there's a helicopter is it it's firing uh, weapons they're running which order what is she saying why is she saying that what's his facial expression is he afraid is he laughing is he angry um so you describe all everything you can every detail that goes to my publisher and then he sends it off to the artist so the better writer you are the more descriptive you are then you're your artist can kind of see what you're putting down. Um, one example of when I've screwed it up is my first series, Monsters Among Us. Um, it, it's set in Canada and uh, I wasn't specific enough about some of the landscape. So an image came back and had all the characters. It's kind of this big, beautiful double page spread. The artist did incredible work on that book. And um, there were palm trees uh, in the background. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I had about oh that's a, okay it's Canada let's take those palm trees out um that's just one example of, of if you miss your connection you know between the writer and the artist. and then the colorist comes in so I, then I write in all the notes for the colorist who is the third person in line um to add in all the colors um I really try to tell a story more so than just explosions and and sexy bodies in comic books I want it to mean something um uh my first series Monsters Among Us I just talked about um Juliet uh is kind of more of a female empowerment series um which is this one here it's as if Romeo and Juliet didn't die back then they became immortal she's back in this new age and she all of a sudden she's like I don't need a man I, I only needed a man 800 years ago because everyone told me I had to have one mm. and now that's not who I that's not what I actually want and so she's kind of dealing with that um and then I wrote um 
Stormy Daniels Space Force, which is political satire, um, <laughs> where Stormy Daniels, the porn, the porn star, I don't think I have one it's here somewhere. Um, Stormy Daniels is this intergalactic Star Wars heroine, and she's fighting this evil warlord who happens to look like our the fifth pres- the last president. Um, and, <laughs> oh my uh, God, I want to read that. <laughs> so I, got to, I got to poke on that some political figures that I don't care much for and yeah. uh I, I just wanted to make Stormy the most badass don't mess with me girl which she is in real life um, she she's Clearly bisexual she's proud has no fucks to give and yeah. so I wrote her exactly how she is in real life look forward to reading that one and she was she was great to work with too all she all she said because she worked with us on that book all she said was just don't make me look dumb and I was like bitch I think you are on fire so I was just like Right, right, right. I just, you know, she, she's an easy character to get to have. Um, I love it. Uh, <laughs> well, to wrap it up, this is a question I love to ask every guest on our show is, you know, what show or podcast would our listeners kind of be surprised that you're into? Huh. You know, I, because I do Naked and Afraid and I love the outdoors, I watch all the survival shows, Survivor, Naked and Afraid, Alone, all these weird ones. Um, uh, just because I love the adventure, but I also think Euphoria is one of the most well-made shows in a long time. As far as filmmaking, uh, of course, the subject matter is very heavy, not for kids really, but um, just I think it's just so well-made and such an interesting look at addiction. And um, so I think that was probably the most recent one that I got like real fangirly about. Um, <laughs> I, you know what? I haven't watched Euphoria yet. I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm a teacher, so I, I don't know if I like really want to see <laughs> yeah. certain things. Uh, people said it was a good show. All I've been watching yeah. was, was it The Equalizer? That's my shit. Yeah. That, my dad loves that show, actually. I love um, it. I haven't seen it yet. But. It's, it's really okay. good. I've been geeking yeah. out over The Gilded Age. I Someone else just told me they just started watching it. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, I've actually been watching Dexter, like the old, and I, I didn't watch it the first time around years and years ago. Oh, the old Dexters are good. Yes. There's, so I'm watching, I'm up to season eight. And then of course it's the 10 years later, the jump. So I really want, I'm interested to see how it goes from like the old original Dexter, then jumps to the modern season. Um, so I'm, I'm almost there to catch up, the, I guess, season nine or whatever, the, the one that was just made. So I'm interested. Are you up to date on Survivor? Because I'm curious. Yes, I yes, I am. I'm a, it's one of my favorite shows. And I got back into it this last season, this one where they had probably one of the most diverse casts ever. It is. Yep. It's and changed it really it so much. Yep. It was yeah. kind of during like COVID times and um when Black Lives Matter really started hitting the ground and making a lot of good waves. Um CBS kind of made this commitment to all their viewers. They're like, we can do better. We can yeah. show um, more stories other than just a lot of hot white people. And again, I'm not talking past contestants. They're, I've met a lot of them. They're amazing. Um, but we want to see some different stories. And I often hear like, so season 41 of Survivor, very diverse cast, as is the current one, season 42. And uh, I've, I've seen on Facebook people complaining like, ah, oh, this cast, I don't like it. Ah, la, la, la. And of course, they're straight white people, and all of a sudden, the entire <laughs> cast doesn't look and sound just like them. Yeah, they don't like that. Centered. And uh, I just kind of respond like, like not everyone on TV is a gay white man. 
But I love seeing that. How cool is that? Like, I'm trying to learn. I want to learn more about other people, whether they're straight, I'm not, or black, because I'm not, or from another country, because I'm from Kentucky. Like, I only know Kentucky things. But like, I just think it's awesome. Why do people not all just see it as this is awesome? I get to see different types of stories that I'm not used to every day. It's like people in these small towns, the world has just closed in around them and it's just their bubble. Like, no, 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 no. I live in this country town. I only know about country things and, and things that are like my family and that's all I need to know. I'm like, that seems so boring to me. Get out, learn something, learn, learn another walk of life. You're um, here. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, sorry. <laughs> I still hit pause on that. Thank you um, for joining us today, Andrew. This has been a very phenomenal um interview very informative and i love your passion that you have for so many different things i think we relate a lot especially from the nerdy side to the advocate side and i love it and we're all definitely major advocates for a lot of things and and yeah. really enjoy that if we had um, more time i would show you my toy collection and you would be wowed <laughs> we'll be more on question for our patreon viewers we keep our yeah we got that coming up yes i don't, um, don't want to brag but i've got some really cool toys <laughs> Action figures, action figures. Action figures. Action figures. <laughs> action figures. <laughs> people are in the gutter. Yes, yes. <laughs> There's there nothing are. wrong with adult toys either. But that's yes. what I was referring to at this moment. This action figures. Is there... As long as you're under 60 years old. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Is there anything that you want to plug? Yeah, anything upcoming or want to talk about? Just let us know or... Or might be able to follow you or anything like that. Yeah, you know, I, I love Instagram. So if anybody's on Instagram, I'm just at Andrew Shade there. And uh, you can uh, just search my name on Amazon if you're a comic book reader. Or you want to try out a comic book. Not all comic books are created equal. So don't think, eh, I'm not really into Avengers. And just think all comic books. There's murder comic books and horror comic books and sci-fi and romance. And, and so get out there and try that. But if you search my name, those titles will pop up. And you can get them a digital or in print sent right to your house. Well, excellent. Awesome. Thank you. And this concludes our interview with Andrew this week. If you'd like to hear more about Andrew's full interview, um, please join us, as well as other perks that we have going, please join us on our Patreon um, page at patreon.com slash the, T-H-E-E, Joyful She. And we'll be right back with Misinformation War Room. It's Lauren Ashley. I have Misinformation War Room this week, and that is the segment where we tackle misinformation that's been floating out there in the world, on the internet, on the Twitters. Um, this week's topic, I've decided to tackle it via timeline. So the topic is the misinformation that's been swirling around circulating um, Will Smith slapping the shit out of Chris Rock. And let me start from the top by saying he had it coming. If you disagree, it probably isn't the podcast for you. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so we're going to start with October 25th, 1997. That was the million women the 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 million women march. Seven hundred fifty thousand black women um, marched from Benjamin Franklin Parkway to um, the. No, I'm sorry. It was at Benjamin Franklin Parkway. Seven hundred fifty thousand black women. They marched from the Liberty Bell to the Philadelphia Museum of Art. And if you, the name probably sounds familiar, if not because of the million women march itself, but because it's referencing the million man march, which was a march for uplifting black men, right? So this is the same thing, but for black women. So Chris Rock had a show 
once upon a time back in the 90s. And in 1997, don't you know, he actually talked about the Million Women March. Here's how he started it, his little segment about it. Million Women March was last week in Philadelphia. I talked to Ice Cube. He called it Bitches by the Bells. And then, you know, the audience starts booing. And then he says, I didn't say it. Ice Cube said it. And Too Short said it too. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is because you'll see that the misogyny in general, and then just misogyny art, Chris Rock, this is historical, okay? So this did not, this is not a flashpoint from last week's Oscars. Oh, no. This has been brewing for a long time. And the reason I'm starting specifically with this is because who was there um, becoming an activist for the very first time, but Jada Pinkett, then Jada Pinkett. And so Rock goes on, you know, at the William Lemon March, there were moving speeches from people like Maxine Waters, Woody Mandela, and here are some inspirational words from the lovely Jada Pinkett. So cuts to video of Jada starting her speech, right? She starts talking, he immediately cuts the audio and switches to a stereotypical black woman shouting the roof is on fire instead of her actual words, you know? So later on, of course she found out about this, later on she goes on his show and um, he, they, this, it comes up and he said, he asks her like, what was that William, William Women March about? What was, the, what was the agenda beside yelling at us? Um, to which Jada said, and here, I've got a quote from her, let the black man do what he has to do. Let's put the focus on us for a minute. And she goes on to say that too often there's focus only on the issues facing black men and that black women are being left behind and that uplifting black women will ultimately make better black men. And then she, she ended with, if we ain't together, our men don't have a chance, trust. Okay, so that's 1997. January 18th, 2009, Chris Rock produces and stars in a documentary about the stigma surrounding black women's hair. The documentary is entitled Good Hair. It makes 4 million at the box office. This is not a small film. Um, he promotes the film on Oprah saying that his intent, his first intent was to make people laugh, but he also wants to make people think. And he says, it's not important what's on top of your head. It's important what's inside of your head. That's the theme of the movie. So within this film, there is a segment in which he interviews a woman, an interior designer named Sheila Bridges. And she talks about the pain of losing her hair to alopecia. And in her interview, she is, her head is shaved bald. And she talks about the importance of hair in society in general, what it means for women's self-esteem, specifically black women, and explains why she doesn't wear a wig, okay? That's 2009, put a pin in that. 2016, Oscar So White. Spike Lee and Jada boycott the Oscars. Um, at that time, Jada was starring in the film, Hath Hoth not film, the, the TV series Hawthorne, where she played a nurse um, whose last name was Hawthorne. Will had gotten snubbed for concussion. Straight Outta Compton was also snubbed. Hashtag Oscar so white. Jada releases a statement about why she's boycotting the Oscars. And she says, today is Martin Luther King's birthday. And I can't help but ask the question, is it time that people of color recognize how much power influence that we have amassed that we no longer need to ask to be invited anywhere. And with respect to Chris Rock continuing to host in the midst of all that, cause you know, they had to, well, let me not, let me not, I'm not gonna editorialize. She then says, hey, Chris, I will not be at the Academy Awards this year and I won't be watching, but I can't think of a better man to do the job at hand this year than you, my friend, good luck. Now, 
at the actual Academy Awards, in his opening monologue, Chris gets up on Chris Rock gets up on stage and says, Jada got mad. Jada says she's not coming, protesting. Aren't you on a TV show? Then he says, Jada boycotting the Oscars is like me boycotting Rihanna's panties. I wasn't invited. Mind you, Jada at that point was Jada Pinkett Smith and had attended the Oscars many times. But, you know, we're just going to keep going forward in this timeline here. So May 2018, Jada reveals her struggle with alopecia on her Facebook show, Red Table Talk, which she does with her daughter, Willow, and her mother, whose name escapes me at the moment. Um, There was a period in my life where I was all about Red Table Talk. Um, There's just too much to watch now. So, But I've known about her, and I guess I'll editorialize here. When she put out that episode, I mean, I cried for her. Um, But we can get into this later. So November 9th. 2021, jumping ahead, Will Smith publishes his self-titled memoir. I've been listening to it in preparation for this segment for this week. um, And also because I just, I wanted to read it and then there's no time for anything. So I was like, duh, get audible and just listen to it while you're working. So that's what I've been doing. And I'm going to read a quote that stood out to me from chapter three. And if you get the audiobook, it's Will telling the story himself, which is like, it's, it's great. But here's here's a quote that stood out to me. Mind you, November 9th, 2021 is when this was published. Throughout my life, I've been haunted by an agonizing sense that I'm failing the women I love. And that's coming at the end of chapter three. And he opens the book talking about the domestic violence that he observed in his own home as a child growing up. His father was very abusive towards his mother. And he's always felt guilty that he couldn't protect her, even though he was a child. And his father's bad behavior was not, it's totally out of his control. But I wanna make sure that I got that in there. So December 28th, 2021, Jada posts a video on Instagram showing that her alopecia has now progressed to the point that there's a clear line going, going across her scalp, like horizontally, that's totally hairless and it can't be hidden. So this is when she starts shaving her head. In the interim between her announcement that she had alopecia and actually shaving her head back in December, she'd been doing braids, she'd been doing head wraps, but this is her saying, okay, this is happening. I can't hide it anymore. And after already having been open about it for three freaking years, okay? So March 27th, 2022. At the 94th Academy Awards, Jada's in the front row with her husband, Will, in a beautiful green gown with her shaved head looking like a freaking goddess, okay? Chris Rock comes out on stage to present the award for best documentary feature, makes a bad joke about another woman, then turns to her and says, Jada, I love you, G.I. Jane too, can't wait to see it, which is a direct comment on her shaved head, which is shaved because of alopecia, which there's literally no way he didn't know about, okay? So the audience has like a shock response and he says, that was a nice one. So immediately after that happened, Will Smith, Willard Carroll Smith, the man he is, gets up, walks on stage, gives him an open-handed slap and then goes and sits back down. Chris Rock says, Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. Will responds from the crowd shouting, keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. Chris says, I will, I will. Okay, so a couple like 20 minutes later, maybe when goes on to win best actor for his role playing Richard Williams, the father of Venus and Serena in the film King Richard. And if you've not seen this film, it is on HBO Max. It's amazing. It made me cry. We already talked about it, but I'm just saying it again. Um, In his speech, he talks about being overwhelmed by what God has called him to do in the world. He talks about protecting the women who he worked with, Anjanou Ellis, who played Venus and Serena's mom, and then the two actresses 
particularly who played on Venus and Serena as like children, right? Then I'm I'm gonna read you like a little, a little blurb from his speech. I'm being called on in my life to love people and to protect people and to be a river to my people. I know to do what we do, you gotta be able, you gotta be able to take abuse. You gotta be able to have people talk crazy to you. In this business, you gotta be able to have people disrespecting you and you gotta smile and pretend like that's okay. And then he says, Denzel said to me a few minutes ago, he said, at your highest moment, be careful. That's when the devil comes for you. Okay, this is March 27th. The very next day, March 28th, 2022, Sheila Bridges, the woman, um, the interior designer who I mentioned earlier, she posts a clip, her clip from Good Hair onto her Instagram, which is at Harlem Toile Girl, H-A-R-L-E-M-T-O-I-L-E-G-I-R-L. And so she posted that in response to his joke about Jada. For people who don't, who don't think, who think this is an isolated incident that maybe he didn't know, maybe he doesn't know about alopecia, okay? Um, and I wanted to go through that timeline first before getting to the point of all this, which is that Black women deserve protection. And all these white women who have been out here on Twitter, and this is why I have not been on the past couple of days, I've been saying shit like, well, you know, I read, and I, when I read this one, that's when I was like, I can't, I cannot do this. My spirit doesn't have it. This one woman said that what Jada should have done is she should have, st- she should have stood up right there and flipped him the double bird and then left. So what you want is for her to lean into the angry black woman stereotype, right? What you want is for her to continue to carry the burden of protecting herself as black women have to fucking do all the fucking time. And um, this just made me immediately, I went to, I did a thread back in the fall about black princesses and about the need for black princesses and how I very literally mean that black girls and women need to see black princesses on film because we deserve to be rescued, period. And talking to one of our mutuals, um, CBR underscore OLU, she was talking to me about how y'all, y'all is in everyone. Y'all are so conditioned to expect us to care for ourselves that you're offended by the very notion of someone standing up for us, let alone a black man, right? So the notion of a black woman being protected is completely alien to you. You don't know how to process it when you see it to the point that these white women, including Katie Porter's freaking sister are saying nonsense. Like what if Betty White, who is dead by the way, what if Betty White had made that joke? Y'all are so, the notion of protecting black women, black femininity, Black womanhood, our humanity, the notion of that is so alien to you that you immediately associate with the man who actually attacked a woman on stage with his disgusting words. You're you're able to connect to him and to how he must feel in this moment, but not the woman who's sitting right there, who came out, again, looking like a fucking queen with a bald head. You're, this is where you are right now because the notion of protecting black women is completely, completely revolutionary. And I'll just end with saying that Malcolm was right. The most disrespected, disrespected person in America is a, is, a, is a black woman. I I cannot take it. I truly cannot take it. And it was really important to me to do this for misinformation war, war room this week to lay out this very clear timeline 
um, to show that his animosity towards Jada started back in 1997 to show that, yes, Chris Rock understands alopecia. Yes, he understands what that means for a woman. And also just to show that he's a piece of shit. And for the people who are jumping on Will and saying, then he got up on stage and made a speech about love to try and turn around what he did. Read his read his fucking memoir throughout my life. I have been haunted by an agonizing sense that I am failing the women I love. I'm done. Wow. Thank Good you, morning. Lauren, Ashley. Thank you. Was, Thank you. It was, it was a lot to even collect all of the articles and I'll make sure that I'll put the links up for people on social so they can see what I was referencing, but it took so much to even put this together. Like um, I told Sarah the other day, I was like, I, I can't take it. I was, I was done. Like when, when Will announced that he was um, with, like stepping down from the Academy, I can't even describe how it feels to see people just want to, they just, they just want to, I don't even know. They want to tear down this man who protected his wife. And mm -hmm. honestly, I don't give a fuck if you don't think violence is the answer. I truly don't. Let me say two things. Some people will not learn until hands are put on them. We're seeing that right now in Ukraine with Vladimir Putin. Okay? Okay. That's number one. Number two, you do not have to agree with anything that he did. What you need to do is understand the situation as it happened and stop turning this into crazy what ifs where you're centering your fucking whiteness as usual, as usual. I was so upset. The NPR host that I, that of these podcasts that I normally listen to that I have been able to listen to, I was so upset. That's what this one white woman said. I was just so upset. It was just very upsetting. And I'm like, what was upsetting to you? Was it upsetting to you to watch Will Smith get up and defend his wife that way? Or was it upsetting to you to watch this man target this woman who's not the topic of literally anything while she's minding her own business mm -hmm. in his intro to a category that had nothing to do with her or her husband? Please tell me. Mm -hmm. Please tell me. Please tell me. Exactly. I just don't understand the fucking pearl clutching and the pussy um, clutching of, you know, defending a black woman or the or or the dick holding of protecting a black woman and I, and I don't mean to be vulgar but I'm getting sick of this and this is exactly why I drag people there's people that unfollow me like you really gonna unfollow me because you disagree with me like you such a bitch ass motherfucker like you're, you're just a whole ass bitch yeah. well it shows like they all say vote like a black woman protect black women but oh not like that we yeah. don't agree with that like mm -hmm. yeah I mean it the was... moment I saw her face mm -hmm. I wanted to throw it up. It broke my heart to yeah. see the look she had on her face. And like, I wanted to punch, I wanted to punch Chris Rock for a lot of time because he's mm -hmm. a dick. <laughs> yeah, he's a misogynist. <laughs> the fact that Will went up there and just did an opening of his slap, that took some fucking restraint in his own. Didn't I mean, it? Didn't Ali. <laughs> yeah, I, the man trained for Ali. He could have snapped Chris Rock's neck if he wanted oh, yeah. to. Exactly. If, he if he wanted to, but he took some restraint. Oh, and that's on. another thing white women if that was the rock like what the fuck the rock is gonna do he ain't gonna do shit what are you gonna do what are you gonna do and also the rock wouldn't have said that 
Exactly. Like, exactly. like the, the way that the way that they keep, well, what if it was this person? What if it was that person? Chris Rock said it because it's a thing that Chris Rock would yeah. say. Right. Chris, Chris Rock not does go, not respect women. Go where he wanted he to sure go. Like, Eddie White women. would never have said that to be getting pushed. I mean, that, right. that was so ridiculous. Katie Porter's sister, I fucking yeah. even, and she's a fucking doctor. Did she delete that tweet? I, I honestly don't know. I don't know who the fuck her sister is because her sister is irrelevant. I don't even follow Katie Porter. She is irrelevant. She is irrelevant. It's a doctor that came she got dragged all week and I'm glad for it. As she should have. She's been dragged for a couple of years now. She's a dumbass bitch. Like, <sighs> COVID stuff. And I just, mean, like, it's just watching the pearls about violence because of one open handed slap, right? As if they haven't watched slap. worse on TV. For- for yeah. weeks, they've been like, yeah, Zelensky's such a badass because he's out here. The Ukrainians are killing Russian soldiers and everybody's woohoo. And that was actual fucking killings. <laughs> but somebody uh-huh. laughed and it's a problem. Listen, Jay-Z was in that audience and I was like, let Chris Rock try to talk about Beyonce. You, you think oh. that's right? Exactly. What's crazy? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I was Team Solange when she beat the shit out of Jay Z in that elevator. Oh yeah, or what? And I was, and I, and I am Team Willard Carroll Smith today. Yeah, yep. Some people will not learn until you put hands on them. And, yeah. and you know what's crazy too? Chris Rock is from Brooklyn. Like you, you your ass is from Brooklyn. You're from Bed Stuy on top of Bed, and Bed Stuy <laughs> is do or die. You mm. don't know motherfucking do or die. It, uh, the fact he's that- a punk. He's a punk. You can see it right there in his face. Mm-hmm. And you know, is I, I think the last thing I want to say is that it's like typical bully behavior. Typical bully behavior. You think that you can treat people any kind of way that you want to, and the moment you get an iota of it back, then all of a sudden it's, wh- why is someone attacking me? Yeah, I was yeah. just telling a joke. No, you oh, weren't. Sure. You know exactly what you were doing. And You're I was disgusting. a bully. Don't do it. <laughs> and he was, and, and then, then all he's like, he was a bully himself. He was bullied himself. So he was bullied himself. Why the fuck would you bully somebody else about their hair when they're in the most vulnerable state? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? But you he's know, he's a horrible what? person. Chris mm-hmm. is not, like I said, Chris is not do or die bed style. He's not old school bed style. He's not a Jay Z. He's not a biggie. He's not even a a a Hakeem Jeffries. Hakeem Jeffries is do or die bed style. Mm. And what kills me about this whole thing is just, you know, in addition to being disrespected by Chris Rock on a global stage, essentially, because it was televised all over the world, Mm -hmm. she has all of these fucking people, white women with these hashtag resist, hashtag vote like black women, Mm -hmm. all this other shit, trying to erase her. Yes, trying to erase her. They're not even acknowledging that They're she making... was targeted by him. Exactly, exactly. And you know what's the crazy part too? When you tell them they got them, 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 them hashtags, and all of a sudden they block you or they delete or they like suspend, mm-hmm. deactivate the account. That's why if you know you're not about that shit, don't have that shit. But I like to ask the resistors. Donald Trump is not in office. What the fuck are you resisting? Mm-hmm. Right. Ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. Ooh. I'll wait. That is a good question. <laughs> Progress. <laughs> <laughs> Equity, apparently. Yeah. And respect of black women, apparently. Oh, they will never respect us. Never. Eliane, you look like you were gonna say something before. Eliane wanna fight. 
I, I, I do, you know, <sighs> it's just, I don't know. There's so many things, you know, like your, your cousins, your grandparents literally fucking hung out at lynchings and like had cookouts and shit, but you're mm-hmm. fucking disturbed by an open hand slap. Like mm-hmm. I, you're promoting black on black violence. Motherfucker, oh, what? Shit. That, yo, I got so much crazy shit in my mentions. Like, I, I say, yo, I was like, if I was to see yeah. y'all in person, sweatpants and sneakers and a scarf, that's how <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm like that right now. And I don't mm-hmm. care. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like that right now. Because y'all came in my mentions. Like I said, I'm not a violent person, but I will beat the shit out of you. Yeah. It's these same white women that were in the back behind um, Elizabeth Eckford. Right. Oh, yes. Screaming at her because she tried to go to school. Mm -hmm. These are the grandmothers of these white women now clutching their fucking pearls and Mm -hmm. slapping Chris Rock. It's like, you know, same story, different day. Mm -hmm. Lucky Wilden. Were they they clutching their pearls when um, Adrian Brody assaulted um, Halle Berry on stage when he got his Oscar, when he shoved his tongue in her mouth? Or how about when Jim Carrey did it to Alicia Silverstone at the oh. I tried to do it to Will Smith too. Mm-hmm. Will Smith could punch him there, but I mean, were they clutching their pearls when Roman Polanski got his Oscar? Harvey, we- Harvey Weinstein getting his Oscar? Russell Crowe? All predators. these other men with abusive histories? They didn't have a fucking problem with that. Oh, Alec Baldwin killing somebody on set? We tried to yeah. beat up Native American woman, or, mm-hmm. or, or, or let's get into Clint Eastwood's racist ass because that mm. motherfucker is a whole ass racist. Oh, he's oh my god, hardly have black people in your movies. But this, but this is this is the worst part. This is the worst moment of the Oscars. Someone pointed out the other day, like, okay, and this is a story that I I knew, but um, when Hattie McDaniel won her Oscar that year, she had to sit by herself in the back of the room at a segregated table that the producers had to beg them to let her have. That wasn't the Oscars most shameful moment where then she has to get on. And I, I've, I've seen her speech many times when she says, I will continue to be a credit to my race. All of that and the movie that she was not, and that's not to knock her ability or anything at all or her legacy. Yeah. But none of that was the Oscars most shameless moment, the treat, the historic treatment of Hashtag Oscar so white. That's not more shameful than open handed slap. Mm-hmm. It's All not. award shows ain't shit. The how many? How many? How many women? How many women have won Best Director again? That's not shameful. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And black oh. women. I don't even know any black woman won. No best. black woman has won Best Director. Nope, never. Rina King should have been nominated. Last year. She should have been because mm-hmm. that movie was um. Katie was. Say the title again because I can't remember. Shit. One night in Miami. Yes, that movie yeah. was amazing. That movie was amazing. Mm-hmm. I think how many women have won? Two? Two, yeah. I think I think two. Two. In camping and now the lady that did um Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker. Locker. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Her she beat out her husband on that one or ex-husband on that one. That was good. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even but no, there. this open handed slap, that's the most. And for a woman, you hmm, well, let me not. Or Let John me. Wayne having to be John Wayne having to be restrained by six people so he didn't atta- attack an indigenous woman on stage who was refusing an award on behalf of Marlon Brando as he asked her to do. Yeah. That wasn't shameful. No, that, that was, wasn't that, shameful that, that wasn't, at all. Mm, no. Yeah. 
No, my 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 thing is like these holy award shows aren't shit. Like and 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 I said it. Yes, the Oscars, the Grammys too, which is premiering tonight. With LeVar uh, Burton uh, hosting, so that's the Trevor only Noah. reason. That's the only thing that could get me a watch. It's, it's the only thing. It's Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah. Oh, then I'm definitely not watching. I'm not watching it at all. No, it's Trevor Noah. The only reason Olivia Rodrigo is going to get most awards over Little Nas X, and I don't even listen to neither one. I have opinions about Olivia Rodrigo, but those are those are those aren't for here. Those aren't for here. Our girl Condi. Um, yeah, we be we be talking, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. Let me not. Let me not. Let me not. <laughs> I will say the only reason I watched the Oscars this year was for, was Beyonce and Will. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see Will win his Oscar, and I've said to people, I said I was never going to tune in again. Someone went in, into um, my mentions and was like, "Well, he's withdrawn from the Academy, but he can still be nominated." Da 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 da. I will tell you right now. Right now, I'm not feeling it. So. Yeah. Nope. And I and I forgot. Y'all, you know, my first degree, I went to film school for undergrad. So like Oscars, that's been a dream of mine literally up until Will said that he was um resigning from the academy. Seriously. So like the levels of disgust that I feel right now is just it's all over the place. But yeah, that was misinformation war room. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. Thank you for that. That was much needed to be said too. Yes. Um, now yes. we're going to move into some fun times. We've got the bitch ass and the badass of the week. Um, so this week's nominees that we have kind of well, well suited after this. Um, so our nominees for bitch ass of the week were Chris Rock for, well, punching down on a black woman. Ron DeSantis for signing the don't say gay bill into law in Florida. Fucker. Um, (laughs) white women for their trash ass behavior about Jada Pinkett Smith Mm. also AOC for trash talking dims and POTUS so that's basically every week for her every week (laughs) every day that ends ends in Y and drumroll please our winner this week obviously with 47% overwhelmingly votes is white women which I say much deserved this week because we showed our whole fucking ass this week I'm sorry did you say 47 percent is that the percentage that voted for hillary because the 53 percent voted for that other guy yeah that that number is burned into my memory she went there (laughs) they will know every fucking year as the time goes by and happening like well not this white woman but that one is that shit right there that is a yes That'll catch you a block in two seconds. Do not come into our mentions. Tag this on to Sarah's um, Sarah's shot from earlier. Do not come into our mentions with not this white woman. If we said white women, we met white women. Mm -hmm. Listen, they be trying and not embarrass the shit out of them all. I can't take and y'all know who's my favorite person in the world in the world. I mean, she the baddest bitch to ever do it, but is a white woman. Hillary Diane Rodham Clinton, okay? Mm. So, listen. Exactly. Listen. Y'all need to watch her and try and be more like her. Yes. And she couldn't be bothered to vote for her. (laughs) They should learn. Anyway, and now for Badass of the Week, which we had some great ones this week. Will Smith for In Defense of Jada Pinkett Smith. Much deserved. Mm-hmm. Black Twitter in defense of Jada Pinkett Smith and Black women. I will say Black Twitter was 
on fire this week. It's yes. my favorite song. Beyonce, her performance of Be Alive opening the Oscars, which holy crap was phenomenal. Fire. It was incredible. Although that woman can make a tennis ball look sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I think she can make anything look sexy. Really Dear God. Seriously. <laughs> And then finally, Democrats and President Biden for passing and signing of Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act into federal law this week. Um, oh, damn time. Damn great drumming. nominees for badass. This oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a hard one, I will say. But with the overwhelming vote that we had this week for 50% was Black Twitter and absolutely much deserved for that Bravo. one. Hey. Bravo. Bravo. Oh, yeah. Black Twitter wins every week anyway every because week. black twitter black twitter is where it's at and that's exactly and period. for a shout out for myron on this because he brought up a very excellent point is talking about the conversations that black people can have around this because there were a lot of variants i beliefs about it but you can still be able to calmly talk and i was like i just wanted like i sent that to several people this week like just fucking read this and be like Follow this example. You can have disagreeing ideas, beliefs of what should happen and what shouldn't have, but still have the same aspect, the need to protect Black women. And yeah, it was so congratulations. Well, shout out to Black really with the fucking receipts. Yeah. I went to bed early on Friday and woke up to like the whole world fucking just breaking down for Zoe Kravitz. Good Lord. Listen, you don't know Zoe Kravitz, Wanda Sykes. Go peruse Black Twitter, okay? And have yourself a <laughs> <long> time. <laughs> that was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you never want to be drug, just shut up and listen. Mind your business. Just mind, mind your business. business. Yeah. Shut- oh my God. That's that's a, hold on, hold on. Let me turn on my camera so y'all can actually see me. The episode of Fresh Prince when he yes. was teaching Ashley how to fight. When he was teaching Ashley how to fight. See, I even yes. sat up. I even sat up. You did. Mind your business. That's all. Just mind your mind business. business. Oh, yeah. I love that episode. Back up. Back up. Mind your business. <laughs> all that for the rest of my life. <laughs> No, but people really need to mind their motherfucking business. Like, if you. it's not for you, then you should scroll the fuck on by or pass the fuck on through. As I said, mm-hmm. mind your business. Mind your whole motherfucking ass business. Yes, I said mm-hmm. that shit. I, I, I said so much shit every day. People are like, well, I have to unfollow you. Yes, because you know why? Because my pages ain't for you. Mm-hmm. It's not Sorry, for Sorry, boo-boo. Hi. Bye. Yeah. It's not boo-boo. Well, you're not boo-boo. I used to have the shirt. I used to have food so clothing because my mother was like, this is black clothing wear and you're going to wear. <laughs> Listen, someone told me that because the 90s are back. One of my friends said that that, that they've got like fubu at Urban Outfitters. And I'm like, OK, I know who better not be buying it. But also, do I need to go to Urban Outfitters? Do I need to get me some 90s throwback fubu? Like, yeah. <laughs> I am here for the 90s coming back. Yes, yes. I knew. I so knew my <laughs> time would come. It's Listen, yes, Elliot. I was I was a very fat child in the 90s. So I was fat and a kid. I didn't get to do any of the fun fashion, but I got it now. I got it now. Yes, my time has come. <laughs> they need to bring back Carl Kanai. Carl Kanai was good. Carl Kanai. Yeah, Carl Kanai. Because Nas was a model for Carl And the Kooji sweaters. The Kooji sweaters. Iceberg jeans. 
But I can do without bucket, bucket hats. We don't need to bring that. No. You don't well, need what? to bring that. I have, I have a bucket hat. <laughs> I, listen, I used to wear them. I wore them all the time. Yeah, I thought they were the coolest thing. <laughs> yeah. I used to wear the, the Kangol bucket hats. Yep. Yes, oh, I Oh, Kangols. Oh. <laughs> Oof. Oh, that's... Can we bring the quality music of the 90s, too, by the way? <laughs> Uh, everything was good in the 90s. It really was. I'm sorry. The music was better. Music was Rock and roll, pop. Everything was fucking lit in the 90s. There's like no rock and roll no more, Harley. There's none. And I actually like rock more than I like pop. Um, Same. And yes, Lauren, Ashley, there's no more, really no more R&B like that no more because all the things are gone. That's why I kill for verses. And this Upcoming verses, it's going to be a gospel verse. It's going to be between Mary Mary versus BB and Cece. Oh, you're not I fucks with BB and Cece. I was going to say, I'm on team BB and Cece just for the fact that, like, one of the Mary Mary sisters was doing some Trump stuff before. Like, uh-uh. oh, Erica, not Erica, um, Trina, whatever her name I'm is. I'm glad you knew exactly who it was. Yep. I was just like, but shackles, don't take shackles from me. Don't, oh, white people, that's a song. <laughs> No, but I, I mess with addictive love because I love addictive love. You just when they sing that song, I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. the Winer family is is, is a is a really like powerful singing family. You got Marvin Wines, you got Ron died. Ron Wines died. I think he was like the oldest. You got Marvin, you got BB and Cece. I think it's another Wines. And then you know, Vicky was married to the within the Wine family. And then you got Mario Wines, who was adopted into the uh Winer family. Well, that was a good uh, segue. We like started off with Badass of the Week and ended up at the wine in. So, hey, this is what we do at Unapologetically Chic. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So everyone, thanks for sitting in with us for another episode of Unapologetically She. And uh, be sure to leave us a review wherever you're listening to our podcast and make sure to tune in next week and find out find out if white women are going to be put on blast again then you know it's always a possibility <laughs> it's always <laughs> likely thank you everyone for listening so thank you for joining us for this week's episode of unapologetically she i'm Eliane. i'm shantae i'm sarah i'm lauren ashley i'm katie Make sure to stay tuned for next week when we will be discussing our next Shot and Chaser, Misinformation War Room, our read receipts, and our bitch ass and badass of the week. Make sure to follow us on all social media platforms at the T-H-E-E Joyful She. Again, at the T-H-E-E Joyful She. We'll see you online.